All right, good morning. All right. I am uh, excited to be with you guys this morning. I've been really uh, just, just praying a lot about um, home groups, and we have home group signups out there. And, and man, I don't think we were ever... I don't think we were ever meant to do the, the Christian walk apart from a body, apart from other believers. And there's something that kind of quickens the, the walking when you're with people. And I think a lot of times we get so used to a slow pace in our Christian faith because we're not able to see the growth that other people are experiencing. And then that actually isolate, isolates you and, and keeps you kind of going at a slower pace than you need to be. There's something called the... The Stockdale Paradox. Has anybody ever heard of Jim, Admiral Jim Stockdale? Ever heard of that guy? I came across his name in reading. He, he was a, a, a person that was part of a, a prisoner of war camp. And he was, he was stuck. I can't, I can't imagine what it would be to be a POW stuck in a camp where you don't know if you're going to be tortured today. You don't know if you're going to eat today. You just don't know. And, you're, and you don't know if you're going to be rescued. And that's the situation you're in. That sounds like a crisis, right? I've never been in that situation. And he's in this situation, and this is what he decided to do every day. Every day, he decided to face the brutal facts of where he was and come to the conclusion, I'm a prisoner of war. I'm in this war camp. I don't know if I'm going to be tortured. I don't know if I'm going to eat. I don't know what's going to happen to me. But I know that one day, I'm going to get out of here, and this is going to be the turning point of my life. Nothing is going to stop that. And while I'm here today, I'm going to encourage these other prisoners. Isn't that pretty cool perspective? And every day he woke up, faced the brutal facts of where he currently was, had a hope for the future, and decided while I'm in this situation, I'm actually going to make it about other people instead of myself. So they, they named this after his story, this, the Stockdale Paradox. The paradox is rooted in the idea of embracing both realism and optimism. Stockdale observed that the prisoners of war who were overly optimistic and believed someone would rescue them within a specific time frame, like Easter or by Christmas, we'll be out of here, often struggled the most mentally when their expectations were not met. Conversely, those who were pessimistic and believed that they would never be rescued lost hope and succumbed to, to despair. And this is what he says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Admiral Stockdale. So that's like a, a really like interesting paradox. It's like, okay, this is where I'm at, but this is what's going to happen one day. And you got to kind of balance that. But in the Christian walk, most people don't like and they like or. So it's like, it's either this is true or this is true, but both can't really be be true simultaneously. And they end up contrasting things that aren't meant to, to be contrasted. For example, how many of you guys believe that God's will for your life is prosperity? Did you read the book of Proverbs? It like commands you to be prosperous, like commands it and actually tells you how to do it, right? But then how many of you guys know that the will of God is also that you be content in all circumstances? How many of you guys know that this, that there is the love of God that he has for you. I grew up in a uh, Methodist church and in this, in this Methodist church, every, every single picture of Jesus was the most loving thing you would ever see in your life. And there was this picture and I, cause I, I know this cause I would, I would, 
I couldn't bear to be in church. I don't know how you guys do it. So I would, I would get up and I would leave. I'd tell my mom, I'm, I'd tell my mom, I'm going to the bathroom. And, and she would say, hurry up. Cause like everybody probably thought I had a digestive issue in that place. I was gone for like 20 minutes every Sunday. Anyway. So I get up and I just go and I'd look at these paintings and there was one painting. It was Jesus. He had a lamb on his shoulder. He had a little shepherd's staff and he was walking and it was like the 99. He left the 99 to find the one and he was bringing the one back home. And it was just this beautiful picture and a reminder that Jesus left the 99 to come rescue you. There was that door, that, that painting of him knocking on the uh, door. It was just to represent your heart. Do you guys remember that painting? There was also this painting of him with all the children of the world sitting around him. There was an Eskimo, an Indian, and there was all this other kind of stuff. And I would walk around and I would just look at these paintings and it just kind of represented the love of God. And then I would go in and, 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 and they, they would preach that a lot. They would preach, they'd preach the love of God and that God loves you and, and you're a little lamb and, and he's rescuing you. And then I would get home and read the Bible and I'd almost have like a heart attack. Cause like what I was reading in the Bible wasn't what they were preaching. And I told the first service, I said, I don't have gel in my hair. This is just from reading the word. My hairs are standing up on end right? It's, it's a very, very intense thing. And as he is knocked, like they had the picture of him knocking on the door, but they don't have the picture of the person being booted out of the wedding banquet, weeping and gnashing his own teeth, right? Those paintings don't exist. They don't sell, right? Somebody painted it once, no one bought it, okay? And like, well, why is that stuff important? I'm telling you, like, it's not that the fear of the Lord and the love of God is opposite. They're like muscles. They are muscles that need to be strengthened. And like, how many of you guys know that like your, your chest muscles push and your back muscles pull, right? Everybody understand that? And I'm telling you, like when you build up these muscles and something happens that you become so strong in him. And, and, and that's the whole point of it. I'm a big advocate of prayer. Do you guys know that? Do you guys, like, and I, I'm not embarrassed to say this. And somebody might say, like, oh, it's just all about the love of God. Listen, I'm scared to death not to pray in the morning. You, you spend 10 years in a prayer closet every morning, you change. And you find out that, like, you didn't actually change. It's that just he's upon you. And the reason he's upon you is because you sought him and he's drawn near to you. So everyone gets so used to God being upon you, right, that they think you're some mature Christian. Well, try not praying for a day. Your spouse will figure out real quick you didn't, right? And his mercy is new every day, so go get some. So this is what I'm saying. The fear of the Lord and who I am apart from him drives me into the prayer closet. It's in, it's in prayer where I experience his love that sustains me for the rest of the day. Do you guys understand? Because it's, it's his love, like... And when I, when I, when I read the word, there's, there's just something in it that I, and, and, but people don't want to hear about the, the fear of the Lord. They just want to hear about the love of God. And I've met people like this and they don't have any, they, they have such weak muscles. There's going to be situations that you're going to be put in. One of them's temptation that where you want the fear of the Lord so strong in you that you wouldn't dream of indulging in it. But do you know who indulges in it? People who say, well, God just loves me. Hey, you have sin in your life. Well, God just loves me. He forgives me. You're going to have to answer to him one day for what you're doing. No, I'm not. Where does it say that in the Bible? All over the place. Several times. No, he just loves me. And well, what's happened? Well, they, they don't have a back. 
They're all chest, right? And they're going to find themselves in a situation. And I'm sorry for being so serious, but let me just say this. I know people who've died because of it. Literally have lost their life because of sin. And if you asked them, do you know that Jesus loves you? They'd say yes, but they had no fear of the Lord whatsoever. And they didn't take what this word says seriously. And they found themselves in a bad place. And trust me, the devil loves it. He loves when people don't have the fear of the Lord. Because he can take advantage of you pretty quickly. Luke 12, 5 says this. This is Jesus, right? But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed someone, has the power to throw that person into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, it's Jesus telling you what? To fear the Lord, right? Now, there, there's just something, something about that. Like, well, what happens when you fear the Lord? Well, you don't end up fearing man. You don't really care what people think. And I don't mean like in a callous way, like I don't care what people think. It's like, well, no, like just people and their opinions don't really affect you. You care about one person's opinion of you. And because you care about one person's opinion of you, you end up living for that one person. Because how many of you guys know the word fear in the Greek is phobia? Phobia. It's not, it's not, it's not something minor. It's something that like literally you fix your eyes on and it becomes your focus. And so when, the, when you have the fear of the Lord, he becomes your focus. He's the one you end up living for. And he actually determines your decisions, not you. So like, here's another thing in, in the Bible. When it says this, when it says, um, close your eyes for a second, right? You're standing in front of Jesus. He's there. And this is what he's going to tell a whole bunch of people. Are you guys ready? Depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. All right, open your eyes. Everybody say, not me. Not Not doing that. that. I'm not doing that either. Well, why? Because I fear the Lord. I actually fear hearing that one day. And you might say, whoa, take it easy, buddy. No, you take it easy. (laughs) I got one life. Do you know what I'm going to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, like, well, what do you think? You're just automatically going to hear it? No, no, no. No, I'm going to continue to wake up, spend time with God, get alone with him, get him upon me, seek him so that he would draw near to me. I'm going to live my life for him, not care about what people think, care about what he thinks, be a good steward of my life, love other people well, and one day meet him and have him understand and me understand that he was the one I was living for, not me. Does that sound like a plan? Is that your plan? Amen? Because why would you want another plan? See, the fear of the Lord, he literally becomes your focus. I remember when I was a, I was a young kid and I was, I was, you know, reading scripture. And the, you know, it's so funny. The Lord, the Lord when, he, when, he, when I gave up my life to him, probably not in the healthiest way, I said, I don't want to be here anymore, God. I don't like my life. I don't want to be here anymore. You can have it, right? Then he called me into ministry and he took it. I tried to, talk, I tried to convince him that he, you, you got the wrong guy. It's not me. And I would do this. I would say, well, if it is me, then do this. He would do it. Well, then do it again. He'd do it again. And then I'd be embarrassed to ask a third time. So I wouldn't. Until next week. When I had the, uh, when I get nervous and I'd be like, ah, you know. And you know what I came to the conclusion? I said, I have one life. I'm going to invest it in the next. I have one life. This life's going to end. I'm going to take this life. I'm going to make sure that I leverage it for the next one. That's what I'll do. And I'll never forget this one time. I was... Uh, I think this is probably the last time that I doubted my calling. 
I was, I was in college and, and I had a friend who was, uh, who had been drinking. He was a little drunk and I was out front talking to the Lord. It was probably about 11 o'clock at night. I said, God, I don't want to be a pastor. This is silly. You know, you got the wrong guy. The same thing we always do. And I said, and if it is you, I need you to send me a sign right now. Hey, Adam, I wanted to come over to tell you one thing. You're going to be a great pastor someday. And I was like, get out of here. Get out of here with that. That's fear of the Lord stuff. You might say, well, did you find out that God loved you so much? Is that why you became a pastor? No. No, I'm sc- I was scared to death not to become one after everything that he showed me over and over and over again. Go against the living God for the will of God in your life? No, I'm not doing that. The conclusion, when everything has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. It's the end of Ecclesiastes. For God, listen to this. Are you guys ready? Your hair's going to all do this. <laughs> For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. That intense. That's intense, right? And like, well, like, do you know, like, okay, I think you guys know this. The reason why I don't show you paintings of, of, of just the love of God in my sermons is because I actually care about that day more so than I care about your comfort. Does that make sense? And this is what I want him to say to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's my desire. Not that you would like me or even like what I'm saying that one day you would hear well done. Number one motive of my heart is to make sure you hear well done, good and faithful servant. And here's what we do. Well, what do we do about that passage? Well, we walk in the light. We confess our sin if there is any. And you just stay in the light and you walk in the light. And you know what's going to happen one day when you see him and he has to bring every act into judgment? It's already been brought into judgment because you already went to him and told him about it. And if you needed to confess to anybody, you confess to them. You're not holding on to unforgiveness against anybody. Why? Because you fear the Lord. You wouldn't dare do that. That'd be the silliest thing in the world to do. Well, how do you just let go of unforgiveness? Well, the reason they did it is because they didn't know him. Right? Find out that nothing is actually personal. You know, Jesus said this, the reason why they hate you is because they hate me. He didn't just mean with persecution. The reason why people don't love you is because they don't love him. If they loved him, they'd be acting like him because they'd be with him and he'd be upon them. Well, my my parents didn't love me growing up. Well, they must have had a really bad prayer life. What's that have to do with you? And why would you ever make it personal? Right? All right. Hmm. In Acts 9.31, this is the second time it happens in Acts. So the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up. And as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it kept increasing. 
See, what happens when, what happens when the fear of the Lord increases? The comfort of the Holy Spirit increases. God, I'm taking this seriously. Oh man, this stuff I'm reading, this is serious stuff. Man, like th- there's something that's happening like where like this is becoming more important to me. And the Holy Spirit comes and comforts you more. In case you don't like the Old Testament or don't believe in it, I'll read you a New Testament passage. I met somebody once, any passage they didn't like didn't count. I was like, well, that's pretty convenient. There was, a, there was a new Nicene council, I guess, and he made up his own word. It says this, for we, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. Have you guys ever done bad things? You just confess it. Jesus, you know what I did. And you, and you were there and, you know, I, I did this and I want to talk to you about it now and I want it out of my life now so we don't have to talk about it then. Sound like a good plan? But what people do is they don't even let the Holy Spirit convict them. Why? Because they don't have the fear of the Lord. So they're changed, like they don't change because that's off limits to God. This is what God's allowed to tell me. I love you. That's it. What about when you do something wrong? He's only allowed, he's not allowed to convict me. He's only allowed to tell me that he loves me. I need him to make me feel good in my own sin. Why? Well, because you don't want to change. But how many of you guys know that it's, it's changing that is absolutely awesome? That you're actually invited to become like him in this world as he is. And we'll get to that in a second. You guys all right? Anybody hair, hair standing up? You want, just want another hair stander here? It says this, Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, you, you who are accursed, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. No thank you, right? Everybody say no thank you. No thanks. But it's in there. Do you know what I love about Jesus? He's not, he's not waiting to pull a fast one on you someday. He puts up these warning signs while you're on the road so you don't fall in or fall off. And that's love, right? Hey, don't do that. I remember we were just getting out of the car and I have a little uh, six-year-old that uh, he still doesn't like to look both ways. And, and because he doesn't like to look both ways, sometimes I grab him by the shirt. He doesn't like that. I don't care. I don't want him to get splattered by a car, right? And I, hey, you look both ways. That, now the other way. Okay. And I let him go, right? My dad used to grab me by the shirt. <laughs> now listen to this. Are you guys ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that every, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's you. God is so interested in you not perishing that he would pay any price to have you. Now what do you need? The fear of the Lord drives me into prayer and then I sit, sit with the Lord and I just, just grapple his love that he has for me. He loves you guys. He loves you so much that he would pay any price to have you be bunkmates forever. Isn't that cool? Now, I do hope we, I don't want to be bunkmates with anybody, you know, but I hope we all get our own rooms. I don't need some huge stink, stinky lot. And come on. He loves you guys. 
Do you need to be loved? Do you need love or are you loved? If you don't sit down with him and wrestle with his love every morning, you'll need to be loved by people. And you'll put expectations on people that... I'm not going to go down that road. But like, come on. Like, what, what, do you, what else do you need? The God of the universe says, I love you. What, what do you need now? Well, I need so-and-so to say they're sorry to me because I've been disrespected. You've been so respected that the God of the universe laid down his life for you. You don't feel respected. You feel disrespected by a person who was created by the creator who so respects you that he would do anything he could to possibly have you. You're feeling disrespected. Yeah, but I, I just want to be loved. The God of the universe said yes to you forever. He's made a place for you. Has invited you into his kingdom. Shed his blood to make sure that you could be forgiven for everything you did wrong. Now, what do you need? Well, I need so-and-so didn't say hi to me. Jesus is saying hi, guys. <laughs> He's saying hello. I love you. What do you need? Psalms 136, 24 through 26 says this. And this is, this is David, and this is, what he's, this is what he's understanding about who God is and how he's been treated. And has rescued us from our enemies, for his faithfulness is everlasting. Have you guys been rescued from your enemy? You know, you used to walk around as a slave to the enemy. He used to puppet you and use you to accomplish his will. Anybody? I used to do his will every day. For his faithfulness is everlasting. Who gives food to all flesh for his faithfulness is everlasting. Give thanks to, to the God of heaven for his faithfulness is everlasting. See, what ends up happening is when you sit down and you begin to, 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 to put your eyes and fix your eyes on the Lord is you begin to perceive what it is that he's done and you begin to perceive who it is that he is. And this is what I, I, I just recently told a group of guys. I never say thanks without telling them why he did it in the first place. Jesus, thanks for dying. Why'd he die? You died for me. You died for me because you love me so much and you actually want to be with me. And you would never, ever dream of not shedding your blood if it means that I get to be with you. That's how into you, that's how into me you are, is that you would pay any price to have me. Thanks for dying, Jesus. Now you can thank him and you can tell him why he did what he did. God, you provide every, every food. How many of you guys have food provided? It's there, right? Provision? It's there every day. You guys sheltered, you got clothes on, right? It says this. This is where, this is where most people get the, it says, we have come to know and have believed. What a powerful statement. We've come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. Have you come to know and have believed? Don't answer that question too quickly because he's going to go into detail of what that actually looks like. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm coming to know and I'm on a journey of believing the love which God has for me. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. We know this from, from John chapter 15, that to abide in him, to remain in him actually means to obey his commands. 
And his command is easy. It's to love one another. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. That's an intense phrase. I don't know if you guys are into that day. I'm very into that day. And anytime this Bible talks about judgment, I want to understand exactly what it means because we're all going to find ourselves in that situation. It's telling me this, that I can have confidence on the day of judgment. Why? And I would say this is where the American church gets it completely wrong. Because as he is, we also are in this world. What does that mean? It means this, that as Jesus walked, so now we also walk. It says it three times in 1 John. 1 John also says this. He writes, you may know that you're saved. I'm writing this to you so that you may know that you're saved. And on three occasions, he says, on the day of judgment, you can have confidence. How many of you would like confidence on the day of judgment? Because John 3 says that he's going to be a great light and you're going to actually be able to approach him because that light is going to reveal that you did life with God. But then it says this, that some people are going to run. Why? Because their deeds were evil and they loved evil and that light was exposing that they lived for themselves. That intense... Do you know what I'm not going to do? With all my might, I'm going to live in a community of believers. They're going to hold me accountable. I'm going to walk this thing out. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to seek him first. I'm going to read, read the word. I'm going to understand it because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to continue to walk in such a way that when God looks back on my life, he could say that was him and I walking that thing out together. Nothing else. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to like kind of like kind of somewhat see believers, not really hang out with them, not really let them in, kind of do my own thing, write my own word, live for myself. So that on that day when the light appears, it, it begins to reveal in me that I actually live for myself and I actually run away from it. I'm not doing that. And you know what's really cool about church? Church says this, I'm still interested. I'm still interested in the process. I'm still interested in him. And I will be like him so that on the day of judgment, I will have confidence. If you ask most people, why will you have confidence on the day of judgment? They'll say, because of the blood of the lamb. But yet 1 John says something else. Because of who you became while you were here. Are you saved by works? No. Are you, are you saved onto good works? Yeah. That's another paradox people have a hard time with. I I'm not saved. I'm not meriting back. I'm not paying God back with good works. I have good works because he's made me good. And I'm going to demonstrate it. So that on the day of judgment, I can have confidence. Now, when I was a young believer, listen to me. You, you, you're, if you're sitting here and you don't meet with him and you don't seek him first, it's just not something you do, right? This verse is probably just, your hair is probably up without the gel. Can I just say this? So was mine. But do you know what, you know what I found after like a decade of just seeking him every day? Is that you actually do become like him. Am I telling you that I never sin? I'm not saying that. Do I say I never screw up? No. Should I be further than I am? Probably but if something happens and I don't pray, by four o'clock, my wife says, you must not have prayed today. By four. Well, why? Because she's used to something being upon me. That's him. And so then people get used to your character. They get used to him so that when you don't go and get his mercy and you come out as the old Adam Bauer, that has some quick one-liners to tear you down. People are like, who are you? Someone didn't pray today. And I, I just want to suggest, it's a real cool thing to tell your spouse. 
really helps them. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but seriously, did you pray today? Did you seek him? Because when you're young in the faith, when you're young in the faith, you don't really see a difference sometimes. But it's the drawing near to him and him drawing near to you that actually builds something and puts something upon you. First John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. That's pretty simple, right? Remember the person that hurt you? I want to tell you this about them. I already know this about them. They didn't have a very good prayer life. How do I know that? Because if they did, they would have had God upon them and they would have been loving you well because God is love. That's why nothing's personal. And I want everybody to get this. Do you guys understand nothing's personal? You're only dealing with people's prayer lives. Well, this person wasn't loving. Well, they, they revealed the proximity of how close they are to God. But not the proximity to you, the proximity to God. Well, they didn't love me well. Well, they're not loving God well. well how did you... They're not plugged in. There's not going to be any electricity, right? That's why you don't. That's why you don't marry a non-believer. That's why the Bible says that. They're not plugged in. Well, they're not loving me. Well, yeah, they don't have love. So what, what am I saying? It's, it's, it's not these, it, it's, a, it's a paradox in a sense, but you need the love of God and you need the fear of God. If you don't have both, somewhere along the line, you're going to find yourself in a circumstance where you need to pull and all you can do is push because you didn't work both muscles. And, and my desire is that you would all be strong, Right? that you'd be able to read this word and, and, and let, it, let it do what it's supposed to do in your heart, that you wouldn't avoid scriptures, that you would read all of them and say, okay, you know what? I'm having a hard time re reconciling this, but it's in the word. God, help me. Help me to understand this. And he will. But it's, it's, the, it's the fear of the Lord. It's, it's knowing this, that my, all of my days are being funneled into one day when I stand before him one day. And give an account for the deeds done in the body, both good and bad. And it's understanding his love for me, that he would do anything that causes me, that maybe even if I am doing something wrong, it's his love for me that allows me to go and stand before him and say, you know what, Lord, this, is, this isn't right. And I want to walk in the light. I don't want to hide. I want to I get so used to the light now that when I actually see the light physically, I don't run. But everything be exposed. Because how many of you guys know that if you don't have the conversation now, you're going to have it then. I'd rather have it now. All of it. Whatever he wants to do, however he wants to shape and mold me, the Holy Spirit wants to convict me now, please let him do it. But there are just people that don't want to hear it. They won't want to hear it then either. That'll be a terrible day for them. Because he's your friend and he's Lord. He's both. Don't violate his lordship. Don't decide since you're such close buddies that it's okay that you not follow his commands. That, that's not real and that doesn't exist. 
That's something the enemy fed you. So Father, we just thank you. Would you guys just stand? Father, we thank you for, for, for the fear of the Lord. We thank you for the love of God. And Lord, we, we, just, we just pray that, that, that we would get strong, that we would see you, that we would know you, that we'd get so used to hearing your, your voice, that you could talk to us about anything and that we would submit to you. I pray that, that the paradox wouldn't, wouldn't keep us weak, but would cause us to be built up in you. And I pray for everybody in here, that a, a, a small group of people that we're running with that would help speed along the process, that would speed along the confidence that we can have while we're here because we're being like you. We just praise you and we thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for the worship and just, just the, the air to be able to sing. In Jesus' name, amen. This is what I want to say. There's a uh, sign up out there for home groups. We're going to do home groups here for six weeks. We got about like 40 people signed up. We're going to be breaking up into small groups eventually here in the church. That starts tonight. You can either sign up for Sundays or Wednesdays. For anybody who doesn't have a, a small group of people you're running with, I want to encourage you to sign up. It's right out there in the lobby. Bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.